0: Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the film of the Walt Disney Company, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Pixar, Disney Toon Studios, everything in between, including the Muppets. Uh, We talk about it here on this program. I am talking to you. Uh, Today, I'm Ryan Kilpatrick, the host of the show, and along with the folks you're about to meet, uh, you are going to find that we run DisneyFilmProject.com, the website of this program. You can find over there the show notes. You can find uh, old movie and short reviews. You can find DVD and Blu-ray reviews, all kinds of great stuff. So make sure you go and check out the content there at DisneyFilmProject.com. Joining us as always, we have our fine film historians, experts, however you want to classify them. They're ours, and we love them. Uh, first of all, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, whose name has been associated with the word caper in many, many forms.
1: You're not supposed to talk about that.
0: Look, I, don't, I only tell truth on this program, sir.
1: Uh, he means the little green things you put on bagels.
0: Yes, of course. That's there absolutely. you go. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yes, love those.
0: Uh, of course, also joining us, we have the one and only Miss Rachel Kolb from JustPressPlay.net.
2: Hi, how are, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. How about you?
2: Um, I, I just wanted to give you a heads up. I have officially changed my name from Rachel Kolb to Adele Dazim after, after the Perfect. Oscars. Perfect. I like it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay is,
0: we is, will uh, start referring that, to you as such Adele
1: is that your John Travolta name <laughs> yes
2: have you have you seen the memes that have come out of this they're all fantastic
1: there's a meme generator online
2: yes mm-hmm. the uh, Adina Menzel's Menzel show just opened and they changed the program for the first night of previews to Adele Dezim, <laughs> standing in for Adina Menzel
0: <laughs> fantastic Uh, Of course, we also have the person who, uh, the straw that stirs the drink, the person who makes the the trains run on time, the person who gets all of this together, and that is Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you can find at about.me or on Twitter, uh, slash Cheryl P3, uh, or on Twitter at Cheryl P3.
3: How are you, Cheryl? I am definitely awful today. i get hit with a
0: stomach bug. Oh, goodness. Nobody needs that in their lives. That is why I say... Hopefully talking about Muppets will make it feel better. We'll see. It is, of course, Muppet Month. Or, or decade, or however you want to call it. We're talking about a lot of Muppet movies as we get lead into uh, Muppets Most Wanted, coming out in the States on March 21st. Uh, we might be ahead of that by the time you hear this, but uh, we're talking about The Great Muppet Caper tonight. The second Muppet film, the only Muppet film directed by Jim Henson, uh, released in 1981. And so before we get started on that, I want to introduce, as you know, we have guests from time to time, and tonight we have James Dolan of Mouse Planet
4: How are you, James? I'm doing great. Coming off a high of being in Disneyland last week, and I'm still not down from it. So if I go a little crazy, you'll have to forgive me.
0: I I do not blame you, sir. It's only been it feels like forever, but it's only been a couple months since I was there myself. It's uh, a fabulous vacation spot. All right. So uh, and they have muppets there, so you can't can't go wrong with that,
1: right? Mm Yes.
0: Uh, although, if rumors are true, maybe they won't be there for that long, but we'll see. I've heard those rumors before. Uh, we are talking, Wait, of course, about the Great Muppet Caper. Yeah, rumor has it they might change that out, but I don't believe it.
4: I don't believe it either.
0: I will protest. You'll chain yourselves to the, your, yourself to the uh, key under the mat?
3: I don't know, but I heard, I heard they'd be making slate changes to ours. Maybe that's what they mean.
0: Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what's going on. Uh, but again, The Great Muppet Caper, released in 1981, recently re-released on Blu-ray as a combo with uh, Muppet Treasure Island, which we've talked about before on this show. Uh, as I mentioned, it was the only Muppet film, di- film directed by Jim Henson. Uh, so it definitely has a little bit of that Henson flair, all the appropriate uh Muppet performers are in this it was uh, produced by Frank Oz whose name you might remember uh, as well as David Laser who was sort of the big business person for the Muppets uh, and Henson recruited him over from, from IBM but uh, for me like this and the Muppet movie like this is what I think of when when you say Muppets to me like these two movies are what I think of
1: yeah I, I was saying to Cheryl it's like I know this movie inside and out because like This was one of those movies that I watched like a million times when I was younger. Right. Because it was always on TV. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, about a year after it was released, it was always on TV. I don't know, because it was like released on beta. It it was like a Betamax movie, so that's how old it is, folks. Yes. Really small cassette things for those who have no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, um, you know what's interesting is it's whereas the Muppet Show was released uh, during, I mean, sorry, the the Muppet movie was released during the Muppet Show. This one is actually the first movie released after the Muppet Show, by the by the Jim Henson Company. So yeah,
0: and so the story the story goes that um, if if you didn't know this, um, the the Muppet Show was filmed in England, in London. So Jim would spend six months of the year in London and six months of the year in the states um the 6 months in the states doing the sesame street uh inserts for that for the full season of sesame street as well as commercials and other things and then 6 months in london filming the muppet show and so uh he approached the the gentleman lord grade and yes it was a lord who uh had given him the money for uh the muppet show and uh, because remember the muppet show was a syndicated series it wasn't um, bought by any network uh And he approached him about the budget for making a feature film, made the Muppet movie, uh, and the other half of the budget, um, Jim actually didn't tell him, went towards Dark Crystal. But when Dark (laughs) Crystal started having overruns, uh, he approached him again after the success of the Muppet movie and said, you know, can we make another Muppet film? Uh, And uh, the Lord gave him his money, and here we go with the great Muppet caper.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean... So I was reading, the, the what is it, the whole movie in 1981 totally grossed uh, $31.2 million, which made it a huge success because it only cost $14 million to make. Yeah, um, which was,
0: by the way, triple what the original one cost.
1: Yes, um, and of course the original one made much more money. <laughs> yes, <they laughs> it like, did. By, by comparison. Um, now, uh, in terms of just dollar to dollar, this is the fourth highest grossing movie, but if you adjust it, for uh inflation and everything like that, it's actually the third highest grossing Muppet movie. Right? With with the Muppet movie and the Muppets coming in ahead of it, everything else behind it. So
0: Yeah, that's that was the funny thing when they talked about the Muppets and that it wasn't necessarily the hugest success and there was some discussion whether there would be a sequel. And you look at the history of Muppet movies and it made it like you said, uh, one of the top grossing ones.
1: Yeah. Did you uh, hear the story about the title, how the title came to be?
0: No. Uh, I, I haven't, no.
1: Okay, so um, as you, I, I don't know, if, has anyone ever been to like Jim Henson's uh, historical we- website? What it does is, Jim Henson was one of those people who meticulously took notes about everything he did. He right? did. He, he, right. he had a
0: whole journal that he kept notes right. in every day about his feelings and things. Ca- yeah.
1: ca- called his Red Book. And so much of that has been reproduced online at his official website. And you can read that. And there's a lot of stuff about this particular movie on there. Um, and one of the things is uh, he talks a lot about how he came about the title of the movie. Uh, when it was – the working title for the movie was The Muppet Movie 2. Okay, that was when they were working on the project because it was only named slightly before it was actually released. Um, it was comprised of two scripts that had been written for the, for a Muppet movie. One was called The Muppets Hit the Road, and the other one was called The Good, The Bad, and The Muppets. Okay. Um, Now, what Jim Henson didn't like either title, and he didn't like the Muppet movie, too, so he wanted something different. So he went to everybody who worked at the company, all his friends and all his relatives, because that's everyone who worked at the company (laughs) at the time. Yes, uh, pretty much. And uh, what happened was he finally – he didn't know it at the time, but he had a big list, and you can see the list online. It's like 30 different movies that he typed up, titles. The one that he circled that he liked was called The Great Muppet Capade, and that's where The Great Muppet Caper comes from. But what he didn't know, and he picked it on the list because he didn't know the sources, because it was you know done like in a hidden ballot type of thing. It was actually the one that his uh, daughter Lisa came up with.
4: Cool, very cool.
0: So, but yeah, like you said, Todd, I grew up with this. This is you know the Muppet Show and the first two Muppet films are like. You know that's that's the stuff of, of legend for me. Growing up, uh, I, I often remark to people these days that Disney just basically has, in the last ten years, bought my entire childhood between Marvel, The Muppets, and Star Wars.
4: Yeah, I'm right with you on that one. <laughs> same thing for me. Yep.
1: Same.
0: Yeah, I think they just uh, they just went and looked at, at guys of our age and went, hmm. We got the princess thing locked down, but what else could those guys want? Uh, and that's that's what they've acquired. So, uh, if I already wasn't a fan, I would have become one. But uh, yeah, this is this is exactly in my wheelhouse. Um, the humor in this, I think, what's great about it is that you differentiated a little bit from from the Muppet movie uh, with Jim directing. Uh, because they would not let him direct the first film because he had never directed anything, quote unquote, in in the feature realm. Despite the fact that he'd been performing and basically running the Muppet Show twenty four seven for uh, a year or so before the first film came out. But you really get the sense of his humor in this, um, which is why I like some of the jokes a little bit better, even though I like the Muppet movie itself better. Uh, I like some of some. There are certain gags in here. Uh, like Piggy trying to break into John Cleese's house that literally just leaves me on the floor laughing every single time. The,
1: the whole scene with her driving the truck and having the CB conversation is one of my favorite <laughs> memories about this movie ever. <laughs> For me, the, the
2: the image that always stuck in my head was Miss Piggy on the motorcycle. That was, that was just the image of awesome in my head as a child. <laughs> like... I, one day I want to be that cool. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
3: Well, I'm going to say they can take away my Muppet card, but I ha- I don't remember this movie seeing it as a kid or seeing it as an adult. So um, I went into this with, with different eyes than probably everyone knows. And my favorite section is the Happiness Hotel because so much of that is inside the gift shop at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah.
3: yeah. And, and so it's just like, wow. I mean, I was just like, They did. That gift shop is like the happiest hotel.
4: It's like wow.
1: Also note, made Cheryl dance to the songs with me during the movie.
4: Of course, of course. (laughs) The the songs are some of my favorite parts of this one, Uh, particularly the the uh, the dance sequence in the water ballet with Miss Piggy and that whole thing. Yeah. I think that was a little bit too long. You know, look when I watched it again for this. I did think it went a little bit longer than I remembered it, but that little ending montage with uh, Nikki Holiday and Kermit the Frog and you know singing to Miss Piggy up in the corners and stuff. Yes, <laughs> that gets me every time. <laughs> if you're not and careful, I'll actually start singing it.
1: <laughs> my, my favorite is that line that uh, she makes afterwards uh, to Nick. To Nikki, she said, "You were stoned.
4: Yes. Yeah, your voice yes. was stoned. You can't even sing." <sighs>
3: Rachel, I wanted to comment that one of your one of your one of the actors you mentioned a lot on the podcast was in this movie, and I didn't realize it until Todd told me uh, who he was—the guy from Beethoven.
2: Yes, Charles, yes. Grodin.
3: Uh, Charles yep.
2: Grodin. Yep, yep. Charles Grodin is in this, best known for Midnight Run and the Beethoven series. Apparently now he's a commentator of some sort, but I didn't really do much looking into that.
4: He'll always be Nikki Holiday to me. Yep. <laughs> yeah. i agree i agree
1: and his flowered socks
0: yeah i think that's (laughs) the the great socks the great part about this movie is and it fits right in with jim henson's point of view and his humor is that it's always aware and makes the audience aware that the characters know they're in a movie yep like i to me one of the funniest moments is when Kermit and Piggy are having their fight by the pond and Piggy turns around to start crying and they do the rest of the scene with their backs to the camera because they go out of character, then back into character without actually turning the, the, the puppets around. I like it's, it's funny. And it's also like showing how they make these characters real.
2: I think that part of that can be credited to um, one of the writers on this was Jack Rose, who uh, one of one credit I recognized he did was uh, Road to Rio, which was the Bob Hope Bing Crosby comedy. Have you guys seen any of the Road to Rio, Road to Bali? Those ones—they're very self-referential and very—they they like to break the fourth wall a lot, and it's very classic uh, comedy escapades.
0: Yeah, I've seen I've seen some of the Road films for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. It does, it does kind of play in the similar fashion. Mm-hmm. And I know that um that Jim Henson, you know, from reading the biography um a month or so ago he he liked that kind of stuff you know he he definitely liked those older um you know comedic films, so uh, yeah, I mean, the whole movie even opens with a a song entitled "Hey, a Movie After we see basically the characters in a balloon referring to the opening credits and asking how long they're going to go on so i mean like they set the table right from the get-go that this is what they're they're going to be right like this is this is a movie that's not going to take itself seriously and a movie that's going to say yes this is just a movie
1: yeah also also animal eating the mocking the mgm lion and eating the thing around him
4: eating the logo, yes yeah. <laughs> yep. i i do have one question because maybe one of you can answer this I've never learned. What does BSC really stand for?
1: <laughs> Funny you should ask, James.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: it's the British Society of Cinematographers. If you see ASC, that's the American Society of Cinematographers.
4: Aha. It's taken only, what, how many years since this film has come out <laughs> for me to figure this one out? Thank you very much, Todd. No problem, sir.
2: This, this yeah. opening scene I love because this is literally an argument that I had with someone back when I was in film school. I was watching a movie with them, and they wanted to fast-forward past the opening credits. And I told them, I said, I'm hoping that my name is going to be up there someday. And I have a family, and I want them to be able to see my name up there. So, no, we are not fast-forwarding past the credits. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, you can, you can. ask Cheryl. I have been annoying about staying through all credits forever, even before it was a like a thing to do. I would always be the last person to walk out of the theater. So,
2: yep.
0: No, absolutely. It's. It, it, I love that about it. That it's, you know, it's it's one of those things that talks about the you know what goes into movies. Uh, you know, like, hey, getting, you know, move over here. You're, you're, you know, we need to be, we need to be, continue the movie and all that kind of stuff. But like that, it, I I joke to my wife, like, when if I ever quit my job, I might just start like a a Muppet cover band, just and just play like <laughs> Happiness Hotel and Hey a Movie. I think that would be the ultimate hipster move, right there. <laughs>
1: Um, you know, it's interesting. So you were saying most of the movie is was filmed in England, right? This is the the balloons in the opening is the only scene that's actually not filmed in England. It's uh, it's actually filmed in Albuquerque, New Mexico, because I guess that's where they could get all the sky stuff. You know, all the, uh, the oh. hot air balloon cheapest and stuff like that. So
3: I guess they didn't try down. The people that do art the balloons down the street.
0: <laughs> 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 well, that's our Avengers connection, because, you know, they filmed in Albuquerque, too.
1: Ah, yes. Or you could just say Diana Rigg, oh, wrong, yeah. well, <laughs> <counts>. oh,
3: <yeah. laughs> a wrong Avenger. Yeah. but that counts.
0: Different thing.
1: I vote that counts. She so <laughs> <then. laughs> looks quite so a bit yeah, like that she does in Game of Thrones now, too, doesn't she?
2: Yes, she's the Queen of Thorns, and she's also a Doctor <laughs> Who connection because she was Mrs. Gillyflower last year in the Crimson Horror, which oh, you're right. she, was, she was fantastic in. And um, I actually did some reading up on uh, her acting roles. And she is, like, a classically trained Shakespearean actor. And she's played, like, every major female character in a Shakespearean play. Like, she was Viola in Twelfth Night. She was Lady Macbeth in Macbeth. She was Cleopatra in Antony and Cleopatra. I mean, she's a premier actress, but most people know her as Emma Peel from The Avengers.
4: Of
1: course. Yeah, a, a tight suit will do that.
2: Except <laughs> me.
4: I know her from the only thing I know her from is the Great Muppet Caper. Yeah, no,
0: she's been in tons of different things. Yeah,
4: she's she's been all over. So, um,
0: but yeah, the the whole Ham hey, movie song it's it's basically uh, Kermit and Fozzie and Gonzo singing about the fact that they're about to start this great movie. Uh, with Kermit and Fozzie playing t- reporters and Gonzo their photographer. Oh, don't forget! Don't forget, they're t- identical twins. Oh, I wasn't going to. I was gonna. They didn't. <laughs> they don't bring that up until they get into the uh, the Daily Chronicle office because the running <laughs> gag. Uh, yeah, the the running gag that happens after this song is that they nobody can distinguish between the two of them uh, unless uh, Fozzie is wearing his hat.
4: There's a lot of running gags in this movie.
1: Yeah, and some walking guns.
0: Hey, there
1: you hey. go.
0: So in the middle of this song, this crazy song in the chaos that happens when you land a hot air balloon in the middle of a city, uh, Diana Rigg playing Lady Holiday gets her necklace stolen. It's even like if you listen to the song on like a Muppets album or something that she screams, my jewels, my jewels. And it's uh, it's part, kind of part of the melody of the song almost. Um, and so that's that's sort of the... The MacGuffin of the film is, and, and the caper is that they the investigation of Lady Holiday's stolen jewelry.
3: It took also- me twice to catch that because I was so involved with the chicken, taking pictures of the chicken, and the people dancing. I had to watch it twice until I got that perk.
1: Also, it's it's very clear that Charles Gordon is a bad guy in the beginning because you clearly yes. see him him go steal it in the beginning. <laughs> so it, there's like they're not like not telling you what's going on. It's uh, it's for the uh, a- the actors who are obvious, you know, Fozzie and Gonzo and uh, Kermit there to uh, solve the crime that you already know the answer to.
0: That's right. Yeah, they don't they don't really care about the. Uh, you know the mystery of it. it. That's not the point here. The journey, uh, not the destination.
1: Yes, but yeah, and a lot of thought. Yes, and comedy. I,
0: I love the fact that that, like you mentioned, Cheryl Gonzo is taking pictures of a chicken <laughs> while the jewel heist is going on. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing his long fascination with chickens.
2: Yeah, he's just taking pictures of like pigeons later.
4: He has a thing for birds. Yes, he is a thing. He's Good a point. thing for birds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they, when when they uh, when they finish all that up, they they go to the, their employer, which is the Daily Chronicle, uh, and get yelled at because of that exact thing. In that uh, the headline says, "Identical twin reporters join Chronicle staff." So here's a picture of Kermit and Fozzie. "Quote unquote identical twins," whereas everybody else has a picture of the jewel heist. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, <that's> the, the, <laughs> yes. The best part of that is when uh, what's his name, Mr. Tarkanian, or whatever the yeah, yeah. Favorite, you yeah, got it. Where he uh, he brings out the picture. If it wasn't for your old man, and he brings out a picture, and it's like a combination of Kermit and Fozzie. That's <laughs> kind of disturbing in a way, but hilarious. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it it right. It's it's the start, but it, it's it's. You know what it is. It it shows. Um, we talked about this during the other uh, Muppet episode that we did so far, Ryan. Where um, yes. where the Muppets were really designed to have all these interchangeable parts. Right, right, right. And and so it's very easy for them to just strap together something with green fur that looked both like Fozzie and Kermit because they have the ability to do that. That's that's one of the things about Muppets. So.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's the the Muppets are much more expressive, and that's what they're designed. And I don't think we talked about it in other films or in other Muppet podcasts. But you know, Jim Henson's big contribution to the field of puppetry was he actually designed his his characters for television because he wanted to work in television, and that was sort of his way in was working on a puppet show in in, in DC. But like, he came up with the idea of like you don't have to put the box of you know like you've seen a punch and judy show you don't have to put the box there you just get a monitor so you can see what the camera sees and that's your box and your space to perform in um and he uses it to really great effect in this movie and in all his stuff. But knowing that, you know, hey, I can be just under the lens of the camera with my care, with my hand or myself, and and speaking my lines and all that sort of thing, and still get the right effect. Um, that was his sort of his big breakthrough uh, and what made him so unique.
1: Yeah. Yeah, whole, oh, the, the whole the whole concept of working under the set and, and having all those cutouts in the set. We talked about that during um, a lot of during uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. That's right. Yeah,
4: they seem to have done a, a good job in this film, also though. Uh, actually, in the Muppet movie too, of having scenes where you saw the entire body of the Muppet. Uh, in this one, I'm particularly thinking about when they do the the bicycle scene.
2: Yes, which I have some notes on once we get to that. <laughs>
0: Yes. Indeed. Um, Quite amazing, quite amazing stuff. But, so they managed to convince the boss to let them go to London to interview Lady Holiday and and start chasing down that story, Uh, but they have to basically pay their own way. Uh, So they end up in, I believe what they call it, ninth class.
1: Ninth class. (laughs) Yep. Uh,
0: Which is basically them in crates in storage. Uh, (laughs) And instead of landing the plane for them to to land in England, they are thrown out of the plane. Now, mind you, not with a parachute, just thrown out of the plane, and they land in a pond in the middle of London.
1: There's a pond in London, yeah.
0: I'm just saying that's really good aim.
1: It is, yeah. No, um, the one important, well, not really important point, but up until now, they always made a joke about, um, Gonzo being a whatever, right? And this yeah. is the first time he's actually expressively labeled whatever on the, bo- on the crate that he's in.
0: Yes. He, he sure is. Uh, but they, they get a tip to go to the, the Happiness Hotel because they were looking for a free, actually a cheap, actually free hotel. Uh, and that's when we get the Happiness Hotel song, which I'm with you, Cheryl. That's, like the, that's one of my favorite Muppet songs of all time.
2: Uh, real quick, I just want to point out who it is that uh, greets them when they land in the pond. It's uh, Robert Morley, who is basically, if you need a British actor, he's kind of the guy. Um, and like some of his noble credits are Around the World in 80 Days and the African Queen. And he's one of the first, I think, major cameos of the movie?
0: Yes, indeed.
3: Um, I did want to say, I didn't, I don't know, I meant I let the set design, I did not like the Happiness Hotel song. In fact, I thought that was another song that went along way too long. No! Uh, it's, yep.
1: it's one of my favorite Muppet songs yep. ever.
3: I know, you guys are like, taking away my Muppet card, I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This I'm telling you, like I want to be Doctor Teeth in the Electric Mayhem. I'm just like I want to be a Muppet cover band, and this would be my. I'm finally right moving
3: very long and stuff like that. But that isn't in this movie, so let's continue.
0: Indeed. <laughs> indeed. My my favorite line in this song is is when uh, Pops asks them how they're going to pay, and they ask for the options. Yes. <laughs> it's and it's a cash. B, credit card, C, sneak out in the middle of the night. It's not that. It's the fact that, you know, Fozzie says we'll take C. The best is the delivery of the next line, which is very popular choice.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that yes. That is great stuff.
1: Yeah, and the whole song uh, is basically an introduction to everybody else who's in the hotel, which is really uh, the cast ensemble from The Muppet Show. Yes. Absolutely. For the most part, except for a couple of people who come in later on, yeah. And, and, and Sam Eagles one line where he goes, "You are all the weirdos." Weirdos, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, to be fair, there is one weirdo.
2: <laughs> I have to wonder if the uh, the writers of the movie ever did any backpacking through Europe and had to stay in hostels, because <laughs> this feels like some host some very dirty hostels in Europe. My problem with Sam the Eagle
3: in this movie is he – like, in all the past movies I've, I've seen him in, it's like he is, like, pro-America. You know, he goes off character. You know, like, it's the British way. It's the American way. We see none of that here.
1: Well, we discussed this uh, during Muppet Treasure Island is Muppet Treasure Island was his breakout role. <sighs>
3: Yeah, but I'm still saying that they they I know that that was his breakout role I wish they had done some of that here
1: Yeah, as I'm had not sure go why. Off, I just wonder if Jim Henson didn't like Sam as much as You know, viewers like Sam We may never know
0: Yeah, I don't know That's all I got uh, yeah, and so then Kermit heads out to seek Lady Holiday out, but um, meanwhile, we cut over to Lady Holiday, and she's like tearing up fashion designs and things like that, and uh, stressing about her jewels. And Charles Grodin is her brother, Nikki, is around, but we get introduced to Miss Piggy, uh, who has come to try and be a model, and she is there and, uh, you know, sort of begging Lady Holiday for a job, you know, that she'll only be a fashion model. And I really love her her portfolio which is basically the exact same shot of her over and over again in a different dress
1: and everyone's a different emotion though
4: yes but at least she's Uh, passionate about it it is her life it is her destiny she will accept nothing less
1: (laughs) and then becomes a receptionist
2: To be fair, a, a receptionist for someone that high level is for as far as uh, fashion is not anything to you know. Like it's it's a pretty good gig. Probably getting paid pretty well. It's true.
4: It's true. Yeah, until you decide to impersonate your employer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's where it goes a little wrong because. Uh, When Kermit and and Fozzie and Gonzo come in to try and find Lady Holiday, uh, they would then come in and, you know, Kermit goes into the office and there's Miss Piggy standing on the desk, you know, basically proclaiming how awesome she is and that sort of a thing. And when she does, when he walks in, she pretends to be Lady Holiday to try and save face. Uh, is immediately smitten with Kermit and, uh, you know, he's asking for an interview. So she says, well, we can go have an interview over dinner. And I really love the way that she comes to the idea of of where she lives of 17 Highbrow Street.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She's not smitten. She's Twitterpated because it's the blue birds flying around her. Oh, okay. All right. All right. But, um, no, you, you know what I like? I, I like the bit between her and Lady Holiday and where Lady Holiday goes off on all this exposition for, like, a good 30 to 40 seconds. She goes, and she goes, why are you telling me all this? And she, and she goes, it's plot exposition. It has to go somewhere.
3: <laughs> and I immediately saw Ryan.
0: That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: do um, enjoy that. Also, um, the, the models, uh, Cheryl pointed out that they are dressed like the, um, the, good, the fairies in uh, Sleeping Beauty.
4: Oh, okay. Right. Really? The col-
1: the col- the three the the colors are the same.
4: Oh, I gotta go back and watch it again. now. Yep.
1: And uh, <laughs> and their their names are all rhyme. It's Carla, Darla, and Marla. In case you miss it in the movie, because it happens once very quickly, and you never hear their names again.
0: <laughs> yeah, so. but uh, they they end up. She ends up saying that she's. You know, it's at seventeen Highbrow Street is where she lives. Uh, And then we we kind of break, and Kermit and and friends go back to the Happiness Hotel in Beauregard's cab.
1: Beauregard, best character to be introduced.
0: Which is frightening.
4: (laughs) I can only take you as far as the lobby. (laughs) One of my favorite
1: things is, is it makes me remember where they find him in the Muppets. Right, they find him. He's been sleeping in the in the theater oh, in yeah, the closet yeah. for for like twenty years. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's because it, it, basically that's where he's been since this movie, isn't it?
1: Um, he's in one of the other ones, but uh, I, yeah, not a lot. I mean, because they're all in the the Gonzo one. Every single Muppets in the Gonzo one. The, the Muppets from Space.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of um, Muppet characters in this one that you haven't seen in the the, the more, more modern Muppet stuff. Like a lot of classic characters in this in this one. Also, I have to I have to point out the line of uh, um, that he doesn't have a British accent and th- they should be surprised that he has a driver's license.
1: <laughs> also, I forgot to mention how Gonzo gets the cab in the first place.
4: Uh, one of my favorite lines <laughs> in the whole movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what the, the, where, where he says the one about, it? yeah, it's better when it works, meaning yeah. like, Gon- Gonzo <laughs> expected to be run over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what's funny is over the years... It, um, you know, Gonzo was all ab- is all is all about you know beating on himself and stuff like that. You know, over abusing himself, right? If you really think about it, but over the years to modern times, that's really toned down quite a bit, right? Like, because he's constantly make jokes that everything that looks like it went horribly wrong, you know, but worked out anyway. He's like, well, it didn't work at all because I'm still here, you know, <laughs> every single thing up even through this
4: one, so. Gonzo secretly had a death wish all these
1: years? Uh, I I think so. Except when he's running the toilet factory in the other movie.
0: Yeah, right. So in this one, then, you know, we get uh, the Kermit back at the hotel trying to get dressed. And this is when we have the, uh, the stepping out with a star song, which I kind of like. It's not my favorite one, but it's it's, it's kind of cute um and the funny thing of the whole thing is like it's you're watching kermit like dance around the room and you're not seeing like you know the strings and those sorts of things and you're seeing him put on his pants which is kind of like when you stop a puppet putting on his tuxedo pants that's pretty impressive from a technical standpoint
1: he's got pink boxers with white spots too he, he does indeed. <laughs> uh, so they, uh, this is one of those things that Jim Henson talks about in the stuff that he wrote about the movie. Uh, it took them, this took them more takes to make than any other scene in the movie 40, at 43 takes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason was is because it was such a small space and they kept having problems where like the, the wires would cut in or the shadows would be on the wall when they weren't supposed to be. And if you look really quick, there is actually – you see a, a shadow of a person on the wall in one scene. But, other, but, you know, it's, it's very quick. It's like, you know, un, it's under a second, but it's there. But uh, it's mm-hmm. just that, you know, he, he, this was the, took the longest to make. Not the hardest scene, though, according to him, but the longest to make.
0: Yeah, I would imagine we're going to talk about the, uh, the hard ones later. There's, there's a couple of really, they really push themselves on what they could get the puppets to do in this movie. That's one piece, and then there's, there's others that, that are coming up later on in the film where they really push the limits of, uh, of what they could do. Uh, but, so Kermit, and, Kermit finally caves and let, lets Fozzie and everybody else. He thinks he's just letting Fozzie come along, and it turns out he actually gets everyone else to come with him as well to pick up Lady Holiday or who he thinks is Lady Holiday. Uh, and that leads to my favorite scene of the entire movie, which is Miss Piggy playing up against John Cleese.
2: yeah in in my notes i wrote i was i was making note of all the different cameos and i wrote down john cleese needs no introduction
0: yeah yes uh famously from monty python and the best of it is like so piggy's trying to sneak into the house so that when kermit rings the doorbell she can answer it and and go from there and pretend that she lives at this place the best is it's just john cleese and his his wife talking and in in that way that only the British can do of like, oh, yes, there's a pig climbing up the fire escape. I'm sorry, what'd you say, dear? You know, like that the nonchalance of the fact that there's a pig scaling the fire escape. And then ultimately when Kermit does ring the doorbell, and Piggy lets him in and takes him on a tour of the house. <laughs> and John Cleese is like one step behind them the entire way.
1: I love how he he has the uh poker and he's like right like you said, he's right behind them and then he comes to the uh linen closet opens up and in they're inside and instead of attacking them he just puts hides it behind himself and becomes all composed again and he's like completely like friendly with yes. them.
0: <laughs> and and recommends a place for them to go for dinner. <laughs> and I love that the takeaway from his wife is not there was a pig and a frog in the closet, it was Oh, well, that's more of a supper club than a restaurant,
4: isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See, to me, that's the beauty of that entire scene, is that they seem to be playing it so straight. But the context of it is so ridiculous. You know, they're playing like the the comedy guy, John Cleese, is playing the straight guy in a ridiculous situation. It just makes it even funnier.
1: Yeah, his, right. his line about I, I I thought the pets were dead.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, yeah. No. It, it's it's also it's the delivery. It's complete. Like, if it was not the British thing, if this scene would never play the same way.
0: Oh, totally. No. Well, it's like we talked about this sort of when we were talking about. Um, and I hate to make this comparison, but one of our dinosaurs is missing like that movie does not work if that if if it's in England. Like this scene if it's not in England rather. This scene doesn't work if it's not John Cleese or some sort of British com- comedian. Like it it wouldn't be funny. And
2: It works especially well coming from John Cleese because he was part of Monty Python and that's so like so much of their humor is just completely absurd.
1: Yes. Right. That is the yeah. point of, that is the entire point of everything John Cleese Besner, as I can tell.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true, that's true.
1: Everything is absurd, defined right there in those words.
0: Yep. Uh, so, they managed to go to the, the what is it, the, the Des Club?
1: I, you know what, I can't remember the name. I never, because it was, it's, I, the name's so throwaway to me, that's, that's the thing. But uh, also the 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 uh, least exciting song in the movie is the is the bus ride on the way to the uh, restaurant.
2: Yeah,
4: yeah, that's forgettable. Yeah,
2: yeah. the o- The only gag of it is really the whole thing of, um, you know, they they could play softer, and he's like, "No, it's okay. They don't mind." <laughs>
0: yes.
1: <laughs> and the the gag yeah. about sitting in the sitting up front because the back seat's condemned. <laughs>
0: Well, and and, I like, she asks him, are these your friends? And he says, no, only the ones on the fenders. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty good one, too. So they're at the nightclub uh, and, you know, seated and Kermit freaks out over the price. But meanwhile, Lady Holiday and her brother Nikki come in, as well as Carla, Marla, and Darla come in. Um, and there's the whole thing of uh, Nikki Holiday sort of falling for Miss Piggy, and and uh, romancing her on the dance floor a little bit.
4: Uh, my favorite part is where he's, he tells—I uh, don't remember if it's in that exact scene—but where he's talking about, "Oh, I'm so tired of the the the, the thin, long legs and aquiline noses and you know uh, their soft skin." And then oh, Piggy turns yeah. Over. yeah, I can see why that might make you sick to your stomach.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's <laughs> later on when they're in the model room and he like kind of like accosts her in the model room.
4: Oh yeah, yes, yes, that's when it is. Sorry. No, 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 yes. it's all right. It, it, it's all right. It, it, you're right. It it,
1: it, it it here's the thing. It's like Charles Grodin plays that vile, like he like just oozes that evil oil during this movie. The you know, greasy also, villain. Yeah, the greasy villain, exactly. That's that's what he's playing here, and he's doing it really well.
4: Actually, in that scene, he has one of my favorite lines, too, uh, in the club there. Thieves aren't breathing down your neck. <laughs> 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 Purposely yeah. breathing down your neck.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, of course, this all is set up, and uh, Lady Holiday is wearing her jewels that she's been uh, convinced to do by Nikki, and he, in conjunction with the models, turns the lights out and manages to steal the jewels, hands it to them. And it Gonzo, it's sort of a nice device in that Kermit freaks out about the price, and so Gonzo goes out to start taking photos of everyone and says he'll charge them $10 for the photo. So in the midst of this, Gonzo has taken a photo of the robbery.
1: And Jim Henson. So, yep,
0: and Jim, Jim Henson. Henson. Yes.
4: Uh, and he also has one of my favorite lines in any film ever, or Favorite little vignettes in one of them. He goes, he takes a picture, and, you know, would you like a photo? And the guy says, uh, no, I'm not interested. And he says, would you like one for my wife? Oh, my wife isn't feeling very really well. Uh, she should have stayed at home. And he goes, my wife is at home. Yes. I to in there with a woman. I can't tell you how many times I used that as a story in, uh, when I was waiting tables back in the day.
0: Yeah, so the jewels are stolen yet again. Um, Kermit's upset because what happens in the brouhaha is like they, you know, they say, "Oh, Lady Holiday's jewels have been stolen," and he, of course, finds out that you know that was not Lady Holiday that he saw; that it was uh, Miss Piggy instead. Uh, and so she bolts out the door, runs away. You know, Kermit's all despondent, and uh, which which leads to another funny scene uh, <laughs> later on in the park. Um, but, wait, next but wait,
2: but to- wait. Yes. Are 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 we skipping over Miss Piggy's big number? Because Yes. yes. What? <laughs>
4: we can't skip over Miss Piggy's big number.
2: She tap dances. It's amazing. She tells she
4: swims. Swims later. Yeah, no the
1: this is yeah, the, well the first time it happens is actually the song that pretty much everybody talks about when they talk about this movie probably because it's a big song and dance number and and it's it's perfectly set up right because they're in a supper club which is in the time period that they kind because this is not modern times really although it had the airplanes but like they land in this like not really early 80s time period right right and so it's it's the whole supper club thing. It's the perfect setup for a song and dance number, and so they do it because it's, it's it's a very whole... Everything from the point when he's uh, getting dressed in, during the other song to now is all like Kermit is Fred Astaire the whole time, and she's basically doing her Ginger Rogers thing the whole time through.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's a nice little uh, throwback, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's sort of a nod to different genres and things like that, but... Uh, I mean, the first, you're right, Rachel, I should not have skipped that, because the first time it happens, like, it won several awards for songs and, and, and that sort of a thing, and Miss Piggy won an award uh, for, for the song, even though she's a puppet.
2: Yep, and I just wanted to mention who it was that wrote the song for it. It was uh, Joe Raposo, who also wrote uh, Be in Green, Sea is for Cookie, and the Sesame Street theme song. He did a lot of music for Sesame Street.
1: Yeah. Of uh, uh, somebody who Jim Henson kept coming kept going back to for music yes um, also um uh, let's let 's not forget the piggy left behind the glass slipper, which I think is where you were uh what you were alluding to
0: indeed, indeed, yeah, so as Piggy bolts, she leaves behind a glass slipper that that Kermit picks up and and the next we see him with it, uh he is in the park, sort of cradling the glass slipper when peter falk comes up yes <laughs> columbo himself and proceeds to tell kermit the story of how he got there which involves his brother bernie and a and a dry cleaning business and it's hilarious
1: yeah it, it's the worst story ever <laughs>
2: <laughs> you got every detail wrong.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then he said, and he said, and now you can go because we're making a movie, <laughs> and you're in the way. Oh, um, I, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, again, uh, going back to the, the whole red book thing, is uh, Jim Henson wrote a whole like a whole account of the day that Peter Falk was on the set because he was a huge Peter Falk fan. Okay, so he basically wrote down, like, everything Peter Falk did. He made sure he cycled everybody through. Even though you don't see them on scene, on, on camera during this particular scene, there, uh, everybody was on set at one point in time or another because everybody wanted to meet Peter Falk. or ha- you know. And So he, he writes about how he maneuvered all this, and on the call sheet had everybody in creation on it and all the Muppets on it and everything. And he just told Peter Falk just go and ad-lib. So Peter Falk completely ad-libbed the whole thing.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: That's,
4: <laughs> ah, that's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Uh, by the way, you, you, we did just uh, briefly skip... It's a quick scene, but they do uh, develop the negative, and they get their proof that uh, Nikki is the bad guy, but it gets ruined because everybody else is dancing on one leg outside the door. Up to the bathroom, right? Uh,
0: yes, 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 yes.
1: Which, yeah. by the way, I love that line because uh, my mother adopted that line as a regular uh, course of her uh, parenting skills <laughs> where she would always say, you know, when, when the bathroom wasn't used and she needed something out of it, she'd always say, come on, people are dancing on one leg out here.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mom said that, too.
3: The last time we were there, she was complaining about how much water we used.
1: I like a shower for a while. Sorry.
3: Curly hair is not the easiest thing to wash, people.
0: It happens. <laughs> Look, these th- these things happen, right? Um, but then he he meets uh, Kermit gets away from Peter Falk and, and sees Miss Piggy and that's the scene that I referenced you know early on in the show about uh, where they kind of break character for a second and he's all mad at her and she then he has to sort of step out of Kermit from the movie and say no it's okay Piggy we got and then console her and then try to get her to turn around back to the movie but they do the rest of the scene with their backs facing the camera like they don't <laughs> it's such a human thing to do.
1: I love how he, he yells at her for hamming it up.
0: Yes, that she's <laughs> overacting.
1: Is, yeah, but that's like, that's Jim Henson's humor. is just bad puns thrown in at the right time.
0: Totally, yes. totally, yeah. Uh, but they do reconcile, and that leads to, uh, you know, uh, Couldn't We Ride, which is the song where every Muppet in the known universe is on a bicycle. And the reason for that is, if you remember, if you've seen the first Muppet movie, Kermit in that movie Rides a Bicycle, and that got such amazing press, and people went nuts over it, and it was Brian Henson who actually made that happen in the first film, and so basically Jim came back and said, oh, they like one Muppet riding a bicycle? Now we're going to put them all on bicycles, yep. and left it to Brian to say, figure out how to do it, and it's pretty outstanding.
3: The one thing that this reminded me of is um, during my Vision 3D, where where he has the where the bunny is trying to help this piggy have her number. Oh, and <laughs> oh yeah,
1: bean. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, Rachel you said you wanted to talk about this scene
2: I thought yeah I have I have a few notes about this From uh, I just want to reference uh, SheMovieGeek.com is, is where I got this from an article that they had about it um, in order to make the Muppets ride the bicycles the puppeteers had to climb into these huge moving cranes that held up the bikes and also um, like synchronized the moving pedals with the music and uh, yeah it was just incredible the work that they had to do on this. I mean, on top of all that, like with actually getting the bikes to pedal and getting the puppets to actually stay in place and everything, they also had to, with some of them, make their heads move and make them talk. It's just... Uh, that yeah. scene is amazing. In, in an age before CGI, it's incredible.
1: Also, if you noticed, um, there's, a, there's a scene where the whole uh, mass of Muppet bikes is in the middle of people behind it and people in front of it. That's because the people behind it are doing all the controlling and the people in front of it are all pulling along the massive Muppet bikes. Huh. Okay, and that's how they that's how they keep the forward momentum going. And they're mm-hmm. the bikes are actually held together by some um by some plexiglass pipes essentially. So that so that if you if you look really closely on stills you can kinda see them, but they pick plexiglass because if you if plexiglass is brand new and hasn't been sitting around for a while, it looks relatively see through, you know, so Whereas, whereas opposed to bars, they were, you know, like metal broads, they would uh, see them. So that's how they keep them from falling over left and right, is mm-hmm. essentially they're not just individual bicycles. They're all kind of like mashed together as a one big massive vehicle, essentially. Oh. Um, the, the cranes are uh, were actually, where the cranes were used, were uh, the scenes where the two of them are um, doing the circles. Oh, cool. Right, because that's how they get the circles to occur. It's, that's that's why they're at that slight right, angle right. because they're kind of just tethered from a spot above. Yeah, and uh, it, it's funny. Uh, Frank Oz uh, commented on this that you would think that this was the hardest scene in the movie to make, but in fact, it was far easier than so many other scenes in the movie. Like like getting Gonzo to fall just right is, trem- you know, in one of his scenes where he has one of his crazy falls is, mm-hmm. is 10,000 times harder than it is to put Muppets on a bicycle.
0: Well, and Frank Oz had the hardest scene in the movie, which is, which is coming up in the next bit with the, with the water. Yes. So, um, but yeah, we go through all of that and then go to uh, Lady Holiday's fashion show. And at the fashion show uh, is where kind of we, we set the final act of the movie into play. Because what happens here is that Lady Holiday is again wearing some of her jewels. Uh, and uh, Nikki Holiday confronts Miss Piggy backstage and is you know madly in love with her and trying to get her to come over to his side. It doesn't work. Uh, and so they managed to frame her after Kermit steps in, of course. Uh, they managed to frame Miss Piggy by basically shoving the... Empty necklace. They've already taken the diamonds out of it that was stolen from the supper club into her pocket. But before all of that, you know, they they the re the way they do this is they uh, have a model pretend to be hurt, and Miss Piggy has to become the model modeling bathing suits, and so we get this dream sequence where Miss Piggy is doing the bathing beauty sort of thing, like like the uh, if you've seen the great movie ride, the beginning of that yeah. uh, with you know, with the bathing the the coordinated swimming and everything. Waterfall. So there you go. There you go. Um Frank Oz like he wrote about this in the or talked about this in the in the Henson biography. It was like it was one of the hardest things he had to do because basically he would spend days on the bottom of this pool under a translucent dome with his hand sticking up through one part of it to move the puppet. And they spent months Trying to figure out how to build a miss Piggy puppet that looked right, like still had the range of emotions, but didn't just fall to pieces in the water because they are felt after all um and it was like one of the most challenging things that he had done in his entire career
1: yeah not not just that uh they also had they also had all the um equipment like the lights the cameras, everything all actually under the water also yeah. Yeah, they, they would put him in, like you said, boxes that were essentially turned upside down, so there was air inside them, With, like you said, which yep. Frank Oz spent time in there. And and the, he didn't pull it down to him, is what I understood. He actually had to, uh, because he would sometimes have to be moving too, he actually had to take scuba lessons and a whole whole crazy load of stuff, so...
0: Yeah, it was, uh, and that commitment to the character, because I mean, he he's the one who really made Miss Piggy who she was on the Muppet Show. is is what makes that character so great. It's just it's crazy.
1: Yeah, the what it, this scene reminds me of uh, the scene in the um, in the Muppets when you go see it at um, studios or or in DCA is uh, when she's on the tall column of water with the, with the sparks in her hair and the and the pyrotechnics on the side of it. You know what I'm talking cool. about? Yeah, it just reminds me yeah. of uh, yeah. the scene at the end where she's like the Statue of Liberty standing on the thing. So, right, 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 yeah, no, in, you're in right. In like 3D, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Well, so much of the Miss Piggy character is based on sort of those old-time uh, divas. They came from the era of uh, Busby Berkeley and... Uh, um the Ziegfeld Follies and um those like very early uh movie musicals.
1: Yeah, and a little May West. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's
0: yeah, it's a whole it's a whole great sequence um leading to her sort of stumbling falling into the fountain and and that's the uh the next you know uh, the next stage of the film where they set her up. She gets dragged off to the to jail. Um, I really enjoy Kermit as her lawyer Rosenthal visiting her in jail.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the the whole the whole next bit though with them all plotting because because what happens is Gus at the club right and he overhears mm-hmm. um, Nikki and the models. Uh, plotting to steal the baseball diamond from the Mallory Gallery. which The fabulous which,
4: baseball diamond.
1: Which, the fabulous baseball diamond, right. And that's and that's the thing, is, is the whole rest of the movie, it's crazy the number of times you hear them say the words fabulous baseball diamond and Mallory Gallery for the rest of yes. the movie. <laughs>
3: My thing was that Gonzo was taking pictures of Alexa and doing expose on kneecaps.
1: <laughs> yes, he was. He
3: kind
0: of was.
1: Um, but, uh, it's, it, the whole scene where they're, uh, the Happiness Hotel folks are planning with Kermit to stop yes. them, um, that's really funny because that's, that's actually a movie trope where you're, where you're plotting and planning and then the leader gives everybody a chance to back out and everybody backs out. Yes. <laughs> right, because normally not yeah. everybody backs out, but in this case, because it's a Muppet thing and it's a good gag, everybody backs out. <laughs>
0: Indeed, yeah, it's. It, I really like that gag because then Fozzie's the one who has to step in and say and tell them that you know we got to do this, guys. Um, and, you know the last person you'd expect, but you're right. Like the rest of the film, the fabulous baseball diamond and the Mallory Gallery is like I think every other word, um, <laughs> which which makes the puns funnier. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't know where they came. I mean, the baseball diamond is 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 an obvious where it comes from, but the whole Mallory Gallery thing on top of that is I don't know where they came up with the idea to rhyme it like that, but that's hysterical.
0: Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, I I do love them going to the gallery, you know, in the giant bus, and then trying to be inconspicuous <laughs> when they get there. <laughs>
1: you know what I liked is um, in prison, Miss Piggy still has her purple satin gloves on.
2: And the pearls.
1: And the pearls. Right, and the pearls. You're right. (laughs) (laughs) Got to look fashionable in prison. Yeah, right. And I love how she's like, she's like, oh, this life in the slammer is so hard. And he's like, you've only been here 45 minutes.
0: (laughs) And then she says how prison changes a person. (laughs) Yeah. Uh we could just sit here quoting the movie probably all night. But um no Kerman and, and uh Fozzie pose as uh as pizza delivery boys to get in, which I enjoyed quite a bit. That was funny. Uh meanwhile the crooks are breaking in and so funny watching the high tech crooks break in juxtaposed with the Muppets, you know, basically having to shimmy the drain pipe while the dogs attack them uh to get in.
1: <laughs> I um I like uh the, the gag where with the pizza because they're like he's like well whose name is on the ticket he go and they're like what's your name that's the <laughs> name on the ticket and because again like I was saying there's so much from this movie that I remember just played throughout my childhood after that point and this is one of those things you should always make that gag about you know like what's your name
0: <laughs> Yes it is yeah uh I- hello that's great, um but yeah, so they managed to get the the best thing though of this last sequence for me like before Miss Piggy and the motorcycle thing is is you know we're juxtaposed with piggy you know breaking the bars and and she breaks out of prison, uh and we talked sort of about her her truck ride, but the best is when they get the baseball diamond before Piggy crashes through, and the commentator and like. They aren't trying to get away. They're literally playing baseball with the diamond, with a commentator in the ceiling and everything.
1: Isn't that what you do?
0: But it's like rather than actually try to solve the problem, the Muppets would prefer things turn to chaos, and that's – like it's so true to what the Muppets are.
1: Yes. When in in doubt, go crazy. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. It's it's that money Python, you know, ethic, you know what I mean? Like, and that's one of the things that Henson even said was part of what they really enjoyed about Python is, like, you didn't have to end a sketch. You didn't have to, you know, come up with a beginning, middle, and end or tell a story. It's like, you know, sometimes you just go a little nuts.
2: Or explain why, you know, philosophers are playing uh, soccer or, you know… Why this guy is trying to return his parrot to a pet store? It's just you literally—you don't try to explain it. It just kind of happens, and either the audience catches on or they don't.
1: Right, make it seem natural. That was one of the things I remember John Cleese uh, talking about in an interview once. Is no matter how absurd the moment, you keep it natural, and it—it it just becomes, you know, a moment. You know, it's just absorbed, absorbed in the moment of the comedy instead. Like Peter Ustinov riding in a lorry.
0: Yes, Peter <laughs> Ustinov making his cameo with uh, as Miss Piggy accosts him and throws him out of his lorry, no less.
2: Yeah, a favorite of the Disney film project in a, a Blackbeard's ghost, and uh, one of our dinosaurs is missing.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, wow! Three Peter Ustinov movies so close together. Wow! Who'd have thunk?
0: It is kind of strange. I wonder if the, the ghost of Peter Eustonoff is, is haunting our calendar.
1: Would have been, this scene would have been awesome if he was dressed like a pirate, though.
2: A pirate trucker? It, it would, yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> it is the Muppets. Why not?
1: <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah, and Oscar, Oscar the Grouch's cameo, which I think he's the only actual Sesame Street Muppet other than Kermit himself in this
4: Yep. Scene, in right? this one yeah thank you
0: yeah. Right, yeah but yes uh, they managed to you know foil the plot uh, as miss piggy actually really is the only person who foils the plot because she ends up on a motorcycle that conveniently falls out uh, from a passing truck after she runs out of gas and she yeah. even to sort of comments on the coincidence of it uh, and then, like you said, Rachel, the iconic shot from this movie is her crashing that motorcycle through the side uh, of, of the Mallory Gallery and, you know, taking out everybody in short order.
1: Yes, with her kung fu. That, we, that was a big gag the entire time on The Muppets Show, so it just, it just naturally works in the plot. Because if, if you know the Muppets at the point when you see this movie, you just accept the fact that Miss Piggy knows kung fu.
2: Well, I think this was the movie that really made me fall in love with Miss Piggy. Like, I love her in the, in the original Muppet movie, but in this one, she gets to dance. She gets to be classy and elegant, but she also gets to take care of business, and she gets to ride a motorcycle and fight the bad guys and save the day. I mean, what more can you ask for, for a character?
1: I, so we were talking about them playing baseball, and just the fact that uh, the bat – the batter is Louis Zealand and he's using a fish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes,
1: right. I, that's you know, it's a good, it's a good use of a. It's a, it's like a melding of gags, and it works so well.
0: Totally, uh, but of course the bad guys get foiled by Miss Piggy, and you know the Muppets celebrate with their best Kermit flails and. Uh, Everybody gets arrested, and the Muppets get credit, Uh, and then, of course, they return back to the United States, the entire group, uh, similar to the same way that uh, Kermit and and Fozzie and Gonzo came over, which is in ninth ninth class, uh, but this time they at least do get parachutes when they are thrown out of the plane um and that's one of the things that like that's one of the early things that jim henson said that he just had this vision like he wanted all the muppets on parachutes and he was you know a big part of the movie was like trying to figure out how they get to that visual that he wanted
1: yeah yeah it, it, it's, it's a cute little scene with them all just kind of sitting there floating down -hmm. As the credits are. Because if you think about it, it's clever, right? Because they don't have to be moving too fast, because your eyes pick up the illusion of the credits scrolling up against them falling down, so it makes them look like they're falling even faster.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Well, it's a nice, it's a nice bookend to the, you know, the the scene from the very beginning where the three of them were alone in the balloon, and the credits are strolling by, and now they're, you know, they're parachuting all together as a group, yeah. with the with the credits. That that's when the Muppet movies are at their best. Is when they start out with, you know, one or a few characters, and then build to to the large group like this one, uh, the Muppets, the the remake, the Muppet movie. You know, that's 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 where I see the Muppets just being at their best.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, all the Muppet movies end with the. A big number of some sort mm-hmm. you know uh, so that's that's an important thing um, And of course this one actually officially ends when Gonzo takes a picture and blinds everybody who's been watching the movie and because the screen goes yes
2: out. yep I really like this last shot too because it gives the notion that they're wh- wherever they land all of them they're gonna get into another big adventure together and that you just, if, if you just stick around a little bit, that you'll get to see what happens next. Yeah. It, it's a nice bookend mm-hmm. for the movie.
1: Definitely. Yeah. All right,
0: so anything else we want to add about it before had, we, uh, we rate The Great Muppet Caper? I had a thing. All right.
1: Uh, I just, about, this, this movie came out in June of 1981. Uh, about a month before, in May of 1981, there was actually an ABC television special that was put out to help promote the movie called The Muppets Go to the Movies. I don't know if you, mm-hmm. has anyone ever seen it? Are they, you guys familiar with it? Mm, I, I don't not. think so. Nope. Okay. So uh it, you can probably find clips from it on YouTube. I actually didn't check. I just, you know, I remembered it and I looked it up and everything like that. So what it is is uh they debut uh three clips from the movie, right, which are all songs based all three of the songs. Um and the the whole special itself is uh them with uh, Dudley Moore and Liza Minnelli, because I think Arthur was just out at the time, right? If I'm not mistaken?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, yeah.
1: and so it's, it's, it's the two of them with the Muppets acting out scenes from all these classic movies. Ah. Wow. Okay. That sounds so fantastic. It, 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 it is a very good special, so people should try and hunt it down and see it. I, I, it has, to my knowledge, not been released on any DVD or anything at this point. So... But if it has, please tell me. Write me. Tweet me. Whatever.
4: You go.
2: I also have a quick note. Um, we didn't mention this, the scene in the park uh, with the girl and her father that walks past, uh, where the girl says, "Look, Dad, there's a bear," and the dad says, yes. you "No, know, Christine, that's uh, a frog. Bears wear hats."
4: Wear hats. Um, yeah. did,
2: did you guys read who that was? Who was playing uh, the daughter in that scene and the father?
4: I actually think I know that one. Isn't that... Um,
2: it was Jerry Nelson's daughters? daughter.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Because she, she died actually,
4: from... Uh,
1: from Cystic uh, fibrosis, I think.
4: I don't remember what it was. I want to yeah, say cancer, I, but do you know? I
2: I think it was cystic fibrosis. Um, and she actually passed away, I think, shortly after the movie came out. But uh, Jim Henson gave her a speaking part in the movie so she could become a member of the actors' union.
1: Oh, cool.:
0: Very nice.: Yeah, he, he did stuff like that all the time. I can't remember there was a story in the book where he did something of that nature where he sort of he canceled the entirety of the Muppets, or at that time, Muppets Corporation's insurance, because they were not dealing with uh, a, someone's cancer, and so he, he basically canceled the entire insurance policy and shifted them to a new one to, to take care of that sort of thing. Um, that's just kind of the, the, the kind of guy he was. Um, definitely had the failings, but a, but a very you know, caring boss about, about his, his crew. All right, so let's talk about uh, rating this film. I'm going to let James go first so that he can uh, give us his, his take.
4: If I'm going to rate this one, as far as Muppet movies go, I'm going to give it four out of five um just because i think that if i ranked took all the muppet movies and ranked them all this one would be uh actually you know what yeah i'll keep it at 4 because it's just to me it had a little bit of everything i think it improved on uh areas where uh, i didn't enjoy the muppet movie as much um it had more my type of humor uh Made me laugh a whole lot more. I loved the songs, um, and they really kept me. You know, when I think about it, this movie—that's the first thing I think about—are the all the different songs in there. Um, and overall, compared to all the other Muppet movies, the only one that I'd really rank higher is the original Muppet movie. So I'll go from there. I think after af- after the Great Muppet Caper, it was all downhill until The Muppets came out a few years ago.
0: All right. All right. Uh, Rachel, what about you?
2: Um, I, have, I, I have a lot of love for this movie because it was one that I grew up with. And as I've said before, I've, I love Miss Piggy's character in this movie. Um, I'm going to give it a four out of five. Um, I can't give it a full five out of five because that's kind of where I rank the original Muppet movie and also there's the one song on uh that as we mentioned isn't really as good as the rest Um but yeah I I just I I looked back. even just watching this movie the other night I remembered how watching this movie I I thought Miss Piggy is like a superhero like I kinda of put her on the same like level as as a lot of superhero characters I would see that were aimed at boys and I loved her because she was very feminine and very girly, but also very capable. So on on that alone, and I mean, the music and everything else is just kind of icing on top. So,
0: Nice. yeah. Uh, so two fours so far. What about you, Cheryl?
3: I'm going to probably get a ton of female again. I'm giving this a two. I really think this is the lowest of the Muppet movies compared to James. I think they got better in time.
0: Hey, you can have your own opinion. What what don't you like about this one?
3: I think the musical numbers are a little bit too
0: long. All right, Todd, what about you? Um,
1: I'm going to uh, go with everybody else on this one, and I am also going to go with a four on this um i like i said this movie is just like when i think of the muppets and how they should be in a movie and how they should act and how the humor should be etc i i always think back to this movie because it, it's the level of absurdity in this is perfect
0: yeah, yeah. you know uh, i i can agree with that for sure so yeah, I, I don't have anything to add. I'm, I, you, you said it perfectly. That's exactly what I would say. Like, when I think of the Muppets and how they work and what I want to see from them, like, I think of this and, and the original film and the Muppet Show, and, you know, I've said that a couple times now. That's that's what it is. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you guys. I give it a four. Uh, I really, really enjoy it. And uh, I think, uh, you know, of all the Muppet films, this one and, and the Muppet movie are, are what I really enjoy. All right. So mostly for Cheryl our Dissenter. So which one of us do you guys agree with? Let us know. Um, go on Facebook. You can find us there Disney Film Project. On Twitter at Diz Film Project. Email us disneyfilmproject at gmail.com. And of course you can always leave a note in the show notes over at DisneyfilmProject.com.
4: James, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. It was fun. I learned a lot actually. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Glad you were glad you were able to make it. Uh, So, yeah, keep in touch with us, folks. I gave you all the ways to do that. But uh, until next week, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. And for Rachel and Todd and Cheryl, I'm Ryan, and we'll see you soon.
4: Happiness, Miss Piggy. Your caress, Miss Piggy.
1: If that's the Happiness Hotel, I'd hate to see what the sad one looks like.
3: You know, if you put enough sugar in this stuff, it tastes just like ginger ale. The plane? No, the plane lands in Italy.
0: You land in England.
2: I think I'll read for a while. Uh, I wish I had a book.